Hi there, and welcome to WOW Talk. My name is Donna Capacity. And my name is Dr. Darlene Gustin, naturopathic doctor. And today's topic is gallbladder health, or as you'd like to say, gall. <laughs> They've got the gall, don't they? Did you have the gall to choose this as a topic. <laughs> I believe you did. Yeah. But it is near and dear to my heart. It is, since apparently I have one that's not operating at full capacity, so we should discuss that. I don't know why I've never discussed that with you. And coincidentally enough, my mother was just hospitalized for a couple of weeks, and it turned out to be a gallbladder issue. So, I would like you to take it away. Well, um, gallbladder conditions seem to be on the rise. Um, It was always fairly common, mostly in women. And when I was studying anatomy and physiology, they gave us this little jingle of um, trying to find out what is the typical person who would have a gallbladder problem. And it was the four Fs. Female, female, fat, fertile, and 40. <laughs> That's not you. That's not your mom. So, um, so I oversimplify things when I'm talking to patients so that they can understand where I'm coming from. And I'll describe the gallbladder as an empty sac that sits below your liver and it collects bile, which is produced by the liver. So for most people, the problem in the gallbladder is that they're forming stones. And the gallbladder is the innocent little sac who received poor quality bile from the liver. So to a naturopath, it's actually a liver problem, not a gallbladder problem. But gallbladders can can still have their own independent issues of other kinds like polyps, etc. But a lot of patients talk to me about whether or not to keep the gallbladder. Is that an option? What are the consequences of not having a gallbladder? Those are all my questions, but I'm still stuck on it being a liver problem. And there we go. Let's get right back to the cause. The liver, exactly. Interesting. Exactly. And um, if if the gallbladder is removed, so um, that that affects a lot of people. So I want to make sure that the listeners hear this part of the story, because yes. this is very eye-opening uh, when the patients um, hear this. And I usually draw them a picture to go with it. And I tell them... May yes. I interrupt? Your pictures are always so good. They do <laughs> clarify, and I, yeah, appreciate them so much. Awesome. Anyway, That's continue. good. That's Sorry good. to interrupt. But. <laughs> so the um, gallbladder, if the, if the gallbladder is holding stones because the liver made poor quality bile, and, and when the gallbladder receives the bile, it does concentrate the bile, and if there's too much calcium or cholesterol, then you get the stone formation. And if the gallbladder is removed because it hurts, because the stone is big, because the stone is sharp, some of those situations potentially life-threatening. So I'm not against gallbladder removal when that's really the best overall choice. But without a gallbladder, you didn't treat the cause. You continue to have the funny liver making funny bile, right? Yes. And and normally, the way our digestive system works, if you're having a bowl of french fries, your gallbladder has been collecting bile, and when the greasy food is coming through, your gallbladder would release a pump full of bile to match up to digest the bowl of french fries. But when the gallbladder is missing, that little storage area is gone, and the liver produces the bile 24-7, and that bile is constantly dripping down the digestive system. 
Wow. Yes. So and and it's and it continues to be not good quality bile. Exactly. Exactly. And you can actually even still make gallstones. Yeah. But it sounds like it has a free for all now in your system. Yeah. Or, as you said, in the digestive system. But how does the how does the gallbladder release what it's storing, or is it always just going to store that there? That's what's confusing me. It gets released as part of the digestive process. Okay, but more timed released or something like the gallbladder does its thing, and it. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm thinking if it's if you've got bad bile coming out of the liver then if you don't have the gallbladder kind of regulating it, is that what you, like I'm trying to... Correct. Okay. So, so normally you'd have a larger amount of bile produced at the time of meals. Okay. With the gallbladder gone, then the bile's just dripping all day. Yes, okay. So, so one of the recommendations is to tell a person that they need all three meals and maybe an additional snack so that that bile is put to good use with frequent smaller meals coming through. Oh, Okay. And without that, many, many patients will experience irritable bowel syndrome that comes on after the gallbladder is removed. Oh, sure. So yeah. that, that um, upsets, I, I call the digestive system, it's like an assembly line. And the liver and gallbladder, they're considered the upper digestive system. And below them comes the small intestine and then the large intestine. So with irritable bowel syndrome, the very end of that assembly line is dysfunctioning, maybe with constipation, diarrhea, or alternating. Mm -hmm. And that's the end result of anything that messed up upstream, either with gut imbalance in the small intestine or low enzyme production in the liver, stomach, or pancreas. Okay, so now what are the symptoms of this condition, we'll call it? (laughs) The biggest symptom would be that you're aggravated by greasy food. And what do you mean by aggravated? Well, you could be bloated, you could have heartburn, you could have pain in the right upper corner of your abdomen, which is where your liver is. Your, your gallbladder is a little bit to the right side of the center. And um, you're right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and it could affect the stools. So if the bile is racing through, you would see dark green stools. Mm-hmm. But the number one symptom is is that every time you eat greasy food, you don't feel well. Okay, okay, that's that's interesting. All right, so what do we do? Well, ultimately, the answer is to assess the liver. So sometimes the answers are very simple. I, I really love zinc. Zinc is one of my favorite minerals, and it's a very common deficiency. And zinc is responsible for hundreds of enzyme reactions in the liver alone. So if you are deficient in zinc, it means that you're producing less enzymes or not producing them at all or producing defective ones. So that's one of the popular things that I see. But if if the problem's been going on for a little bit of a longer period of time, the person might need a liver cleanse. Okay, that mm-hmm. sounds intense. What would that well, be? <laughs> it can be. Well, there's different different levels of how to clean your liver. You can you can just give your liver a vacation by going on a clean eating liver detox diet. You can take supplements and herbs of various kinds, and they also vary a lot in terms of how intense they are. And it it could be with juicing, or it could be with supplements that 
do what's called phase two and phase one. So it kind of scoops up unfinished business in your chemistry and helps resolve and complete the the chemistry to restore the liver's full ability to release toxins. So a lot of the stress on liver is just our general exposure to toxins in the modern world. Oh, sure. I can, yeah, I am sure about that. My My question, though, would be, okay, so you say zinc. So obviously it's good to see a naturopath and then be um, prescribed the exact type of zinc, whether it be tablets. You could also take it liquid form as well, I Correct. think. Um, yeah, and then what type of herbal supplements are we talking about? Well, there's supplements and herbs that clean the liver. I will say it's kind of like taking a sponge that's full of dirty water and that would be your liver, and you just give it a squeeze. So some of the supplements that are called um, for cleansing, detoxifying supplements will help the liver release the waste. And then there are other liver supplements that are more about repairing the liver and um, reducing inflammation in the liver if the liver enzymes are elevated. Um, zinc is not the only one. There's NAC or N-acetylcysteine, there's copper, there's manganese. I usually test people's hair to know which minerals are missing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You've done that as well. Yeah. And liver toxicity and congestion, it shows to a certain degree in a physical exam, the, the way a naturopath does a physical. There are labs that measure toxicity of the liver. There are ultrasounds that tell us if there's fatty deposits on the liver. And the gallstones also would only be diagnosable with an ultrasound through the medical doctor. Okay, now what about that dandelion coffee? Can we talk about that again? I know sure. we spoke about it in our herbal tea episode. Absolutely. So so dandelion is one of the leaders on the list of herbs for liver function. It does a number of things for the liver, and it, it does come in a beverage form. The roasted dandelion root we both enjoy, don't we? Yes, and my mother does now too because Excellent. I did bring her some after the hospital stay yes and she loves it excellent excellent yes. excellent so so dandelion's one of those little lifestyle medicine tips or or hot water with lemon but you also still have to be very careful i would i would suggest definitely that people get the ultrasound and then talk to a naturopath rather than self-prescribing because some of the gallstones can be very jagged like little rocks and I always ask the patient, did they measure the duct? So is the stone small enough to pass through the tube? And so you would not want to pump a big stone through a tiny tube oh. or even a tiny stone that's like shredded glass coming down the tube. Sounds so, so painful. Yes. So, so there's also potential harm. So this is one of those examples where natural doesn't mean safe if you are not guided professionally. And some of the gallbladder cleanses and flushes and teas and herbs, they pump, they stimulate the gallbladder to pump its contents. And you would not want to pump out a big or a sharp stone. That's a very good warning. Huge warning, yeah. use with caution. But it starts with the ultrasound. So even if a patient comes and they have every everything about them verbally and physically that suggests gallstones, I will not even recommend until I know the ultrasound. 
Okay, then. Wow. Lots to think about. Thank you. Thank no you problem. for all of that. Um, is there anything else you would like to add before we say goodbye? Well, um, the people who remove their gallbladders has been associated with an increased risk of colon cancer. So, so that's one factor to consider in your decision, especially if it runs in the family. And also that if you're of the age where routine colonoscopies are recommended after age 50, to not skip that step, especially if you're living with gallstones or living without a gallbladder, to keep an eye on your intestinal health and your routine as far as meal frequency and your fiber intake and your probiotic status. So it's not the end of the world without a gallbladder, and it is still something that changes how the body functions that can very much be managed. So I wouldn't want a listener to feel like they made the wrong decision if the gallbladder's gone. It's, it's okay. It's still something you can work around. Well, thank you so much. I learned so much <laughs> with this, this talk today. And um, for anybody who's in the Oakville area, you can check out Dr. Darlene Gustin at the Bronte Natural Health Clinic. And anyone who may not be local, please send us any questions you may have or any suggestions for future topics, anything that you would like to talk about. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. Yes, thank you very much. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.